When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jonte Murray, yay or nay? What should the Philadelphia 76ers do? Well, we're here to talk about it with you for the next hour or so on the PHLY Sixers podcast. Happy Monday to you all with Derek Bodner, Kyle Newbeck. I'm Devon Givens here to start the week off. Two games this week. Are you sure it's a happy Monday? Did you watch that? Eagles game. We just yesterday. moved past that. You heard move is zero zero. That's what they told us. It's zero zero. The playoffs start next Monday night. How about that? What's up with that? I mean, they deserve to be the game that was on Peacock exclusively. Yes. Oh, I was almost hoping they were on Peacock just so I couldn't watch it. Oh man, I'm sorry to bring the Eagles in? into our. Oh, you know, man, we gotta get but, your thoughts because hey, you used to write about the birds a lot. People want to hear your thoughts on the I Eagles. I did, and I was so out on that game yesterday that I was over my buddy's house. I was meeting his new baby daughter and hanging out with his young son, and we ended up turning on Pokemon for his son <laughs> in the second <laughs> half of that game because that game sucked. So it was bad. I'm done. Yeah, it was bad. I, I bailed out too. Uh, that was the that yeah. The game started at what 4:30. Yeah. So I was kind of into another NBA game that started at three o'clock that I needed to watch. So yeah, I, I was. Anyway, we don't. After a while, I, we'll I was just gone. get here. I'll just get mad all over again on Monday. Let's you, let's start the new week. You and, might get mad a little bit later as we talk about uh, the 76ers yeah. after having a one and two record last week, and going into this week, two games Wednesday back at it against the Atlanta Hawks. We'll talk about Dejounte Murray here shortly on Wednesday in Atlanta and Sacramento at home on Friday. That should be a good game. Haven't seen him. De'Aaron Fox, Demata Sabonis, of course. Keegan Murray, big fan of his. But we have plenty to get to with the Sixers, not later in the week with those two games. Man, last week, Friday and Saturday, the back-to-back losses at home to the Knicks and then the Utah Jazz. But one of the big things as we talk about DeJounte Murray a little bit later is Joel Embiid being injured again, uh, not looking all that great in Friday's game against the New York Knicks. And then... But I gotta have my 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 streak to wow. continue. But before We're we get show there, that. I let's think Derek's talk, gonna let's talk about practice today because practice. Nick Nurse did say after the game on Saturday that they were gonna focus on having a uh, much stronger practice because of how his team performed. Derek, you at practice today? What happened, man? Well, they practiced. They did practice. Yeah. They did. Uh, you know, no Nick, way. Nick mentioned that it was a training camp like practice, both in terms of intensity and in length. Yada, yada, yada. Who knows? We don't really get a chance to see that. Like I've said, we, we, we see the last couple minutes of shooting and that's about it. But he did say it was intense. I think the, the more major update there is the injury updates. Uh, Joel Embiid did not participate in practice. He did do a little bit of shooting on the side at the end, but he was not a participant in practice. Nick Nurse said that they have not ruled him out for Wednesday's game against Atlanta, which might dovetail into another conversation we're about to have. Uh, but that he, like I said, he was not a participant, has not been ruled out. They still have their hopes that he can play on Wednesday. Um, DeAnthony Melton practiced, Tobias Harris practiced, Furkan Korkmaz practice, and Robert Covington was a partial participant. In Not practice. to be forgotten, Furkan Korkmaz, yeah. even if his trade requests are. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so that is sort of the update from there. So it sounds like you might get a couple of guys back, but it's still questionable whether the main guy will be back. 
Well, he needs to be back. He needs they to could be use back. Him. Yeah. They they could use him. And this week, going against that the Atlanta, they're going to run and gun. They're going to get out in the open floor. They like to get into the paint. Of course, they need somebody to protect the paint. We saw that not to be the case uh, against the Utah Jazz. So they certainly are going to need him back. But uh, it, of course, we discussed it. We talked with a lot of the, the viewers and the listeners about everything with Joel Embiid and how he didn't look like himself. Even once the in, before the injury, although it was very early, he still found a way to play through it a little bit, stay hung in the game as, as much as they possibly could, still running things through him. So he had enough in him. But as the game started to get out of hand and look the way it started to look, it was there was a lot of conversation, of course, with Kyle when he joins us from the arena. All of you, Derek and I talked about it. Bree was scratching her head because she didn't know what the heck was going on with Embiid. Coming back into the game to make sure he continued the streak of 30 and 10 to, what is it now, 15, 16, the number is? I believe it's 15. 15. He's, he's got 16 30-point games in a row and 15 30 right. tens. Yep. Well, he had to get it. He had to keep that going. And you're, we just trying gotten, to, you're trying to wind me up right now. And I we, see what you're doing. We haven't gotten on him pretty much all year about anything like that. We would get on little small things about him not passing the ball, getting into a little selfish thing here, but his defense on the other end is still pretty solid, so we can't pick too much. And then this happened. We've praised him so much, the MVP conversation show, that the guys that we talked about at Reading Terminal – Nothing but praise. A couple of them when you had to call him out because he wasn't leading the way he needed to on social media, and therefore you guys had to have a little personal conversation a few times. I think you might have to say something again because... I don't know if I'm like the Embiid ombudsman or like what's going on here. But, but it didn't need to happen the way that it happened. So here's what I'm going to say. I want to preface this by saying, as you say, Devon, Clearly one of the MVP front runners this year has been awesome. The 30-10 streak as a general concept has been awesome because it has been required a level of dominance night to night to accomplish this in a lot of three-quarter games where, yes, he's quote-unquote padding his stats in those games, but to me, you earn the right to do that when you go out and you kick the shit out of opposing teams. Like, I... You want to pad your stats in the third quarter when you're up by 25, go right, right. ahead. Be, I, I don't care. It would be one thing to pat, like come back in the fourth quarter of a game that you're up by 20 and pat your stats, but to pat your stats at the end of the third because you know you're not going to be needed in the fourth because you've taken care of business, that's fine. So, so I had like the people who get on Joel disingenuously, I don't agree with. Like broadly, he has been about the right things, he has done the right things, and I think that's applied on a team level this year. I had a lot of people mad at me over the weekend because I said the Sixers got what they deserved when they brought Joel back in in a clear effort to get to that 30 and 10. And then they suffered an even more humiliating loss as he turned the ball over, missed shots, and the Knicks went the other way and scored. And here was the issue I have with it. There's the last thing I'm going to say with it. The whole reason that this streak has value is because it has been connected to winning. I understand people brought up, you know, baseball players will get a, a hit to extend a streak in a, a blowout loss, whatever. I don't give a shit about baseball. If you want to care <laughs> explicitly about individual stats, go watch fucking golf. Go be a Djokovic fan and watch tennis. Be the biggest Rafael Nadal fan on the planet. I do not watch team sports to see if guys can hit arbitrary statistical thresholds every night. Before this streak started, admittedly a cool streak hasn't been done since Kareem did it in the 70s. Not a single person on the goddamn earth talked about, thought about, knew about Kareem doing right. that streak mm -hmm. in 1972 for the Milwaukee Bucks. No one has thought about Kareem playing for the Milwaukee Bucks not even Kareem in like 30 years. So I don't understand why this is all of a sudden like the most important thing in the world. But the whole reason you get mad or I was frustrated with them putting him back in that game is because they telegraphed how badly they were trying to stat pad. He played the entire third quarter having already been dealing with an ankle injury, having the knee injury that he picked up during that game and now has swelling as a result of that. And then he came back into the game Two minutes into the fourth quarter. That is not part of his normal sub rotation. It was a clear attempt to make sure he got on the floor and got those two points. 
before they were losing by enough points that they couldn't realistically keep him in the game. And then he missed the back-to-back the next night. He's not practicing today. That's the shit that matters, him being available for this team. Because as we saw in the Utah game on Saturday, this team is not relevant without him. They are not good enough. I know they were down several players. They're down Tobias. They're down DeAnthony, Cove, our guy Ferk, obviously. But Joel is the difference between relevance and no relevance. And so to put him in a game where they were down 33 fucking points with six minutes left and say, you know what? The important thing here is to get him that two extra points so he can match a streak that's not even the longest streak ever. It's just the longest since 1972. Who cares? Enough. All right. That's all I have to say on it. Okay. Good rant. Go watch golf and make sure you do that because, yeah, it it, it was ridiculous. It didn't need to happen because, as you said, there's a lot of merit to what he's doing. And especially when, like we talk about, we we get on a lot of people who – we, we have to defend him, even though we don't want People to defend. People call him a stat pattern exactly. wrongly all the time. So when This lends credence to that shit, and I hate that. Yeah. I don't want people to think of him that way. I think he's an elite, elite, elite basketball player, one of the all-time Sixers, somebody who deserves a level of respect that, frankly, he doesn't get nationally, even globally, I would say. And then you do shit like this, and you undermine your own arguments to make for yourself, for the team, for the organization. I just, I couldn't stand it. You just opened the door for that to be, not being brought up here, because it should. Nationally, again, you're going to have to start hearing it again. See? Jokic only has four points last night and 16 assists because he only took five shots. And B couldn't do that. Well, of course, that's what's been You're there inviting already. more of that. Exactly. You're just opening the door for this criticism to come your way and for the Sixer fans to have to defend once again the conversation for us to sit here and have it, which was days ago. We shouldn't have. He should have just exited the game. He didn't reach that milestone again or reach that number that he should have, that he wanted to to keep the streak going. And that's just what it would have been. You know what? Start a new streak because there are still he clearly 40 can. plus games remaining on the season and you can begin a new one. How about that? Or as you begin a new one, you got two 15s in one season. How about that? That's pretty damn good. Instead, he had to go out there and do what he did. And I agree with you because I, def- I defend a lot. And we always make fun of Vince in our chat because it's a guy we work with and he's pretty hard on him. But Vince was right on it that night where he said, see, This is what we don't want to see. He's going back to doing that type of stuff after having 30-plus games or 20-plus games because of the time missed that he's had so far this season, where he has done great, where he has been in the MVP conversation at the top of the list for the very reason of just simply organically going out there being better than everybody opposite of him because he is unguardable. Don't do that stuff. Do like you're supposed to do and then take your L and move and, on. And that's it. And and that's it. Just take your L and it's perfect. And go watch golf. I and just want it. go watch fucking golf on a t-shirt. No, that needs to be <laughs> that's it. That needs to be our first no, t-shirt. So honestly, that's the thing. My dad, that's the way he always spoke to me about team sports growing up. It's like, look, there's a place for you care about nothing but individual accolades, individual wins, all that. It's in an individual sport where it's just you competing against a bunch of other individuals. And in golf, it's like it's you versus the course, basically. You versus your own mind. And so, like, I understand you want to support a guy like that. I think there's been – this is like a real old man get off my lawn take. But as I've gotten older, there have been more of just, the, like, the single athlete fans, right? Like, there's a lot of – LeBron only fans or we talked about the Harden only fans and like there's nothing wrong with that like I think those people are as diehard about their guy as people are about teams but you're still watching a team sport like who is it was it Herm Edwards was the you play to win the game yep you know that's yeah that's what matters to me and I think too to your point Devon is with us defending him Joel is about the right things. Like he cares about defense. He cares about the things that create wins and build wins. Like they don't win 50 games every single year that he's healthy because he's not about the right stuff. And that's what's so frustrating. Like I think people believe, and this is true, it is just optics to a certain extent, right? Like in a few weeks from now, nobody's going to care about this. 
But optics to a lot of people matter and set narratives. And so at the end of people's careers, there will be a lot of people who disrespect Joel that he hasn't deserved that. He deserves to be, at, when it's all said and done, to be put in a category of player that's one of the all-time greats. He's one of the most talented athletes in any sport that we've had in Philadelphia in my lifetime. And I don't want him and the people around him, so coaches, teammates, front office, whoever, to enable little moments like this and allow other people to paint him a loser who's about the wrong things. Like, that's bullshit. I want the I want the record to be straight on him, but he's got to help himself. It makes me think time. about those unwritten rules where let's think of a triple double where Ricky Davis throws the ball off the uh, backboard to get a rebound <laughs> just to complete. <laughs> and it's not as egregious as that no, but for, for no, when we not. watch it on a daily basis. And again, you're that Ricky Davis had to do that. You don't have to because you, you are that good. And even Jameis Winston in the game against the Falcons yesterday, which was a weird thing where he, he's supposed to kneel and just take, you know, take, take the W and just move on. And he hands the ball off to Jamal Williams because Jamal Williams hadn't scored all season long. You just don't, certain things you just don't do. And Joel yeah. Embiid in this case, he didn't need to do that. They had to do that gimmicky thing that they did against the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. Ricky Davis needed to do the thing that he did to get that triple-double because he couldn't get it organically throughout the game. It just happens. And we see Embiid do it too. He's close to a triple-double and he's got to get this extra assist. He's overpassing now. And we see that throughout the game also. But the game was so out of hand. You're already ticked off because they're losing to the Knicks on national TV with a bunch of Knicks fans in the building. He's not playing well. Maxie is not doing what he's supposed to be doing out there that particular night. And everything is just snowballing. That just adds to it. So as Kyle talks about, when you talk about his greatness later on, people are going to talk about his second round exits, Joel Embiid getting a, uh, a, an award that really wasn't his because it should have gone to Nikola Jokic for the third consecutive year. And then, oh, by the way, remember when he had to go and stat pad for this Record that, Dude, to I've, your point, that nobody's going to remember. I've been on the Embiid corner versus Jokic as we're getting pummeled by Jokic winning a title for like half a decade now. I've been that guy like, I don't give a shit about the advanced stats. I don't care about this. <laughs> and then Jokic wins the title. And now we're dealing with this nonsense. It's like, Joe, help me help you, please. That's all I'm asking. And then again, Jokic scores four points in a blowout win <laughs> against the Pistons on Sunday. And now it, there it is again. Joel Embiid could never. And, and that's where it, it all starts again. So it just and didn't need to happen. To your point, everything about this is optics. Because there's no yeah. actual, like indication that those extra two minutes caused him to get hurt or aggravate anything. It was like 10% of the swelling. Sure. Yeah. But Embiid's <laughs> right. motivation is also about optics, right? Like you pointed out, nobody cared about this 30 and 10 streak until people started talking about it. But I think he sees that as a way to get uh, accolades and attention for how well he's playing. And that was fine because so much of that came organically. But I think that then, you know, that, that urge to go back out there and continue to streak is about optics. Well, now because of what happened, um, because of how everyone has reacted, because of the injury, because of the loss, that urge to get to go out there and win the narrative battle has backfired. And it probably doesn't matter. Like in three months, if they're still winning and he's playing at MVP level, few people are going to remember this. And more specifically, if he goes out there and wins a title or at least completes for a deep playoff run, nobody's going to care about this. Sort of like Jokic, who for years and years and years was the advanced set king who didn't play good enough defense to win the playoffs. All of a sudden he wins in the playoffs and you no longer have that narrative out there. It all goes back to the only way for Joe to really change a narrative isn't to have 30 and 10 streaks, isn't to do any of this stuff. It's to win. And that's not just on him. That's on Nick Nurse. That's on Daryl Morey. That's on Tyrese Maxey. But they have to have a good playoff run to, or all of this stuff is just temporary optics. Yeah, it is on Nurse because he should have said, no, you're not going back into the game. Well, he was, there, uh, there's a reason one guy's paid $45 million and the other guy's not. Yeah. Come on, dude. Can't, can't do that. I'm, hung, I'm hangry now. No, Kyle's hangry. I'm hangry. You hangry? You know where you go? Yeah, I think you need, I know. Need a little bit of food? Where you got to go? Bagels and Co. Baby, who offers huge Brooklyn-style bagels made in Philly. I eat bagels several days a week. Bagels and Co. offers an average of around 15 to 20 types of bagels that rotate seasonally. That's amazing. I can go in there a different day of the week, and there's something different to offer. All kinds of themes. There was a Christmas one. You guys have heard that already. And obviously, if you're a cream cheese guy like myself, 
They offer 30 different flavors of cream cheese that rotate throughout the year. 30. I don't know if there's a 10, 30, and 10 thing to go with oh. the last segment there, but <laughs> 30 and 15 is a little different, I guess. We are a sports show, though, guys, so it's worth mentioning. Bagels and Co. do themed cream cheeses for all the local sports teams, including the Sixers. I haven't been able to try the Sixers one yet, but they have a wide variety. So no matter what kind of bagel, what kind of cream cheese you want, I can almost guarantee you that they have it. And as important as that variety is the affordability of Bagels and Co., who have kept their prices down so that you can be an everyday customer, not just someone who comes in for a weekend splurge, feeling fancy. And guys, they even offer premium coffee at a superior price, lower price to most national brands and chains. So got to get in there. Got to go to Bagels and Co. For the best Brooklyn style bagels made right here in Philly, head to www.thebagelsandco.com slash store dash locator to find the closest Bagels and Co. near you. We also want to tell you about FOCO. FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise. The product line includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Do you think maybe they have a 30 and 10 memorabilia? <laughs> We're really there? beating no? this one into the ground. <laughs> and, or, or well, I, I guess there's, there's no more home games. They might but, have their go play golf shirt you want. They may, we could talk to them about yeah, that. Talk yeah. to them about that. Uh, FOCO has everything that you want for football and tailgating season, even though in this market, eh, not many games left. That's fine. You still want to make sure you have your overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, and bags. Everything you need for a game, FOCO has. And FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Flex Hoops coming in hot says Sixers flavored cream cheese probably overpriced and tastes like disappointment. <laughs> I can tell you it's not overpriced because Bagels and Co. has kept their prices affordable, buddy. And I would guarantee you it tastes pretty good. But I appreciate the joke. Yeah. All right. I think we've we, I've sufficiently beat that topic into the ground. Yeah. All right. DeJounte Murray time. It's this DeJounte Murray time. You want to get to the super chat first? Oh, we do have a super Let's get chat. To the super right. chat first. Marshawn Lynch 33. Thank you again, as always. How do you think the Sixers will disappoint us this year? LOL, please uh, just humor me as I'm spiraling from the city's American football team. He's treating the Eagles like they're Voldemort. I just want to say, it is Martian Lynch. You call him Marshawn every time, and you ruin a perfectly good name. It's an incredible pun. I love it. I apologize. Come on, man. Do better. I will do better. I had had a couple of days off last week. I have to get back into the groove. (laughs) How will the Sixers disappoint everyone? How will they disappoint? But at 23 and 12 right now, so they're fine. Uh, how will they disappoint? I, I don't know. I mean, the disappointment always comes in the form of a second-round exit, and right now we don't know that this is the complete team, so we, we don't know what they're going to look like later on. And that would really I, – I think if we were to say that before we know anything about a second-round exit, the number one thing would be a first-round disappointment of being knocked out in the first round when they should not oh, be. I mean, that would be DEFCON 1 yes, if it would. that happened. Yes, it would. Big numbers I here on the PHLY. I appreciate you getting the DEFCON system five. correct. Oh, listen, I always – I know the DEFCON system. <laughs> Don't so, worry about me. So I, I think <laughs> that would be my answer. Of course, first round, second round exit for right now until we know what this team actually looks like. Yeah, I, and here's the thing right now. I would say they're better positioned – right now at this very second to win a second round series than they have been any year other than the Atlanta year, which was a crime against humanity. Yes, it was. I think Milwaukee is, I thought it before the year and I continue to believe it now. I think Milwaukee is very vulnerable and that would be the crime of like some of these missed games here and there, like the four games Joel missed with the ankle issue and you lose a couple of those. If you end up losing on home court to Milwaukee in round two by like a game or two, that's going to really sting at the end because I think that could very well make the difference. I think Milwaukee's defense has been so bad and Dame specifically has been so bad there that I think they could really punish them. And I think Nurse as a, we're going to, you know, hammer these pressure points for you in a playoff series. I think they could very well beat the Bucs. I still believe that right now. I believe that, frankly, even if they don't make any big moves at the deadline. 
So of course that's probably how they're going to lose, right? It's like oh, and that's it, second round the Bucks too. are vulnerable. Yeah. They don't look that good, and then Dame will have like a forty ball and a game winner in well, Game no. Six. And and the question wasn't necessarily, and I agree with you. Milwaukee's looked bad defensively, and they haven't even played a good schedule yet. In fact, they played one of the easiest in the league. Wait until they go up against actual real competition. But the the question wasn't how will they or when will they disappoint. It was how. The way they disappoint, I think, is they go out there and they're close in a playoff series, and they lose. Yeah, like they, Boston. Well, but and they had they didn't do anything to really address the roster. Like if Daryl stands pat and they get close, even if they advance to the conference finals, get close to a conference finals, you can see a, a finals berth on the horizon, but you're still relying on like Tobias Harris to be your third scorer. That's how they would disappoint this time around. And I don't think they will. I actually think Daryl's going to be pretty aggressive. I know there's been a lot of questioning of that and how much he's prioritizing cap space and whatnot. Uh, but that would be the biggest disappointment to me. Speaking of, of aggressive, thanks for the uh, super chat. Martian <laughs> Lynch, 33. I'm just saying it's a heck of a name. He should get his, his props I'm giving him the credit. Yeah. Martian Lynch, 33. Always. Thank you. Uh, but again, speaking of big moves, potentially a one that could be made with the Sixers. We brought the name up before. We bring it up again because Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report uh, had a story out there, had a video out there also about DeJounte Murray being linked to the 76ers. We've talked about it before, but as we get closer, of course, as we talk about this often, names are going to come out. Names are going to be linked to your team in your city and the team in this city, the 76ers, while we're here discussing it, is DeJounte Murray. That would be a big move if that did, in, in fact, happen. To talk a little bit more about it at length, as we saw there in the graphic, yay or nay. Kyle, I'll start with you, man. What... Yay, nay, why, of course, with each, and how much better would they be or not be with DeJounte Murray with that fit? Okay, so I want to, just for context, for anybody who's playing catch-up with DeJounte, Chris Haynes said, teams I'm hearing, sources have relayed to me, teams that have reached out about him are the Philadelphia 76ers and Los Angeles Lakers. He also said, I don't think Philly... I don't believe that DeJounte Murray is their number one target. So that's important context for all of this. I would also say important context because we always bring this up when it's Siakam and when it was OG, when it's Levine. The team was very quick to push back when rumors are attached to those guys. I have not heard much pushback in the days since Chris reported on this. Here's what I would say. I think Murray, still, although he's a different profile of player than Levine, has had defensive success previously. I think he also might fit in a category with Levine where from as people that have talked to me, as far as I understand it, I think DeJounte wants more responsibility and a bigger role. I don't know that he's been happy in that he's essentially the number two in Atlanta, and I get it, like Trey Young is a – heliocentric number one, but so is Joel Embiid. Like you're not playing in an offense that's going to be the DeJounte Murray show. So I'm, I, I know we've talked about this on the show. I would be worried about whether mentally he's all the way in when he comes here. Wanted to be, and like, look, I don't say that as a dig on him, right? Like guys want different things, but you have to acquire talent knowing and feeling confident about what they're bringing. And so that would be my first reservation. The second one would be something we've talked about a lot. Are you optimizing Tyrese Maxey both now and into the future, bringing in DeJounte? I think defensively he could help, although he has been, quite frankly, pretty bad at times this year. There have been some clips going around to him recently where he's just Check complete out. space cadet <laughs> off ball. Now, maybe you could argue that's an environment thing. The more pressing concern for me is, are you doing the right thing by Tyrese if you bring in a guy who's like going to have to be on ball quite a bit in order to maximize his value? Yeah, I mean, look, fit matters a lot. And DeJounte Murray, you know, last year, about 40% of his total possessions came in pick and roll. Uh, that is about right about half of his total half-court possessions were in pick and roll. He's never been a reliable, consistent catch-and-shoot player. And I think he's been an overrated defender. Not completely without merit. Like, he has his moments, but consistency has not been there. On ball, I always thought he was a little bit overrated. Off ball is where he really shined in his earlier days. If you're going to give me another guy 
who struggles to shoot from the perimeter, needs the ball to be effective, and wants more touches to build around Joel Embiid, which, okay, maybe that archetype could work if he was good enough to be a number one option, but I don't think he is good enough to be a number one option. I think he's probably the only one who believes he's good enough to be a I'm number one I'm not sure he's good option. enough to be number two either, for that so matter. Then you look at it, well, is he a good number two perimeter option next to Tyrese Maxey? And I say, no. You don't want a guy who's really the most effective pick and roll ball in his hands. You don't want a guy who's struggling off ball and doesn't have real gravity when Embiid and Maxi are running their two-man game. You need to be able to switch between roles. I don't trust DeJounte Murray to do that. And also, I don't trust DeJounte Murray to be happy with the role that he would get here as a third option, and quite frankly, a pretty distant third option. So I think his skill set in terms of pick and roll shot creation uh, and, and just general shot creation is something that you would want. You just want it in a package that's going to be happy when he's not getting a ton of touches and can space the floor when he's um, not on ball and is a, a, a more versatile team defender and more consistent team defender when he's not locked in. And I just, for the number that he's going to make, which again is between 25 and $30 million over the next three years, I think he has three more years on this one on a contract. It just wouldn't be the piece that I'd go all in for. And it's not even like, there's a part of me that wonders, all right, get, get him away from the Hawks. See if maybe this environment thing, maybe if he can bounce back. I buy a lot of that because I do think there is still a, a, a useful player in there. I'm not going to say that. I just don't think, I, when we talk about trading, you always go back to, well, does it make sense for the Sixers to be the, the one to outbid the rest of the market? And in this instance, I just don't see why it would be. I think the fit is bad enough that no, I wouldn't. Yeah, so for me, I'll go back to the fit, number one, when it comes to the mentality of who the player is and coming in and fitting in with the other players, as as Kyle and Derek already mentioned, because when we, speak, when we spoke about Levine and when we spoke about anyone else that will come in and try to take or at least think they should take Tyrese Maxey's uh, role as the number two, and I know I get a lot of grief in there where, you know, we get a couple of people who jump in and will say, yeah, Devon doesn't want anybody taking touches from Maxey. I mean, Furious just said, I think the only starter we are okay with is KD in his prime, right. LOL. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, because the names that we continue, we continue to hear just are not it. Could he? Yes, but it has to be about that that mindset. San Antonio, he was the number one option eventually taking that role, becoming an all-star trading and it was a big deal with them coming off of their their run to the Eastern Conference Finals where they made this move specifically to take that next jump even yeah. though they were a little bit too early on that as a team but they did it and he had the belief of okay I'm going to team up with this guy and as Kyle already mentioned you already hear that he feels he's more deserving of what he already has which is a number two option on a guard heavy wing hit perimeter heavy team that He's not happy with that. So coming here to Philadelphia and being behind Maxie, a younger player, someone maybe not as proven as he thinks he is, and then you got the MVP, he'll say all the right things until we watch it and then we see it. And we're like, no, that's not it. That's not how it's supposed to go here as they try to make this push to a championship. So while I think defensively, could you buy in? Could you really start to establish yourself as somebody coming in. I'm going to come in. I'm going to do the right things. I have a new coach. I have new teammates. I like this vibe. I like everything, the rhythm in the locker room. They wanted me at this point. I'm playing with another clutch client. I'm coming in here with Tyrese, which is a, another piece that I'm looking at it saying, well, you're coming in playing with another guy that you can, you know. And don't underestimate the, like, don't mm -hmm. want to bingo same client <laughs> right. guards on the same, right. you know, like, uh, people don't want to hear that, but that is a, a real it's a, thing. It's a real thing. So that that's big for me because if things are good, despite all of our complaining in the first segment about him be going for an extended streak, they are still number three in the Eastern Conference. They are still very good where we look at them as a contender to make a move that will eventually put them over the top. Will this be it? Don't know. Don't know. But the look of it as we forecast out and try to picture him uh, on the floor with them if if his if he's not playing and not happy and we start to hear rumblings from elsewhere uh, about and the report comes from one of these two guys about him not being happy then you're really going to be ticked off and we're going to be looking at the same thing in the in the playoffs of another second round exit all because you jumped too soon here. You jumped too soon here because you weren't happy about something with your role. Well, and the real nightmare scenario is he comes here. He's not good enough because maybe the fit's not good enough or maybe the talent's just not enough to get you to the, the, the finals or even the conference finals. And then he expresses unhappiness. And now you've got a depreciating asset that's going to be real hard to pivot away from. Uh, so, yeah, I just there's a lot of fit concerns. Like, let's put it this way. 
you know, and I, I don't think like, you know, we've mentioned like marketing and bridges. Sure. We'd be in on that. Uh, I still think there are third options out there worth pursuing, but if you feel like you have to make a trade, absolutely have to make a trade right now, uh, that you can't go into the summer, that you can't go into the draft trading period uh, and try to acquire someone that you can't go into free agency. I would much rather go like a Bogdan Bogdanovich yep. and let's say a Dorian Finney Smith, or maybe a Cam Johnson becomes available. Something like that. If you can't get me two role players that I actually think fit, I would go that route over one bigger name that I don't think fits. I would prefer to go that way. Let me ask you this question off of what Haynes had to say, how he said it. N not the number one target, but the interest is there. And as you pointed out, there is no story. There is no story pushing this away, saying that's not true. So two questions. Why the interest, if it is there? And what is it that they see for him to be the interest? Well, so... I building off of something that Derek has talked about a lot. If you bought that he has making or taken a step forward as a shooter, if you buy that he can be an above average catch and shoot guy, I think you could talk yourself into the rest by saying, look, he doesn't like the situation he's in at Atlanta. Part of that could be, and I, somebody in the chat said, or Randy says, that he's unhappy with his role, maybe because they're not winning. Like, I think that is a fair point. You could say he might be happy with the a similar-ish role just on a better team, right? Like, you put him next to Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, and all of a sudden you're on a 50-win team. It's not so bad being the, you know, 2A, 2B with Maxey on a lot of nights and figuring that out. And I think if you look at the buy-in, that Nick Nurse has gotten from a lot of different guys on this roster, including guys that I think we were skeptical of coming into the season, you would say, okay, DeJounte in the past has been a bought-in good defender, maybe an overrated defender, but still a good defender overall. You bring him here, you give him the safety valve of Joel behind him, you play him next to guys like DeAnthony Melton, like a Nick Batum, like a Robert Covington, guys who are either defense first or competitive defensive players. And now all of a sudden you're in a culture in a team where things that you did in the past are being rewarded are being emphasized. And all of a sudden you get the DeJounte Murray that maybe Atlanta thought they were getting. So that's how you would sell it, right? It's like, you see what he can do offensively. He does have the, we, I bitch about, they don't have enough guys who can dribble all the time. Every show. He yeah. can absolutely dribble. He can run pick and rolls. He can do all that. Maybe not at a high enough level that you would want as a championship level player, but he can do a lot of things if the shot is there, if the buy-in is there. The problem is we don't know if those things are there. Well, and the problem with sort of that line of thinking, first of all, in terms of, of Nick being like maybe the whisperer of getting people to buy in, there's also a lot of people on expiring contracts on this team. That yes. has a real, that's a real big motivator. And a lot of guys in Toronto yeah. who didn't buy in right. in recent years. And the other one, like, well, maybe coming to a winning team, he would be okay with the third role. Whereas as with the Hawks, he's not okay with the second option role. Well, you're going to face adversity at some point. There's going to be one, even if they go deep on a playoff run now, there's going to be one playoff run where you come up short. There's going to be one losing streak. There's going to be just one moment where things seem to be going wrong. And if he's unhappy with his role, those, those, problems can boil up to the top uh, I, that would be and again people running nba teams will have better intel than kyle and i sitting here but unless you really got assurances that hey he will buy in i'm confident in this people around him that have known him for a long time i would be skeptical well if you want to go self-scout in atlanta when the Sixers play and you don't want to you know watch it on television here you can go to the murray's showcase game on wednesday night baby. hey kyle had to check out lowry marketing on on saturday so you might as well go to atlanta and i got just the thing for you folks game time make sure you check out game time buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports music comedy and you might see us at a theater near you as a team going to see i don't know the nutcracker with killer deals on last-minute tickets. <laughs> I tried to best get us there, price man. Guarantee. We'll get there. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have. Here are some of the things that Game Time experiences, you know, for you. If you want to check it out, you can get seat view images. You don't want to be distracted by some beam in the building. Well, you make sure you get the seat views. Flash deals and last-minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Lowest price guarantee. Event, event cancellation protection job loss protection, etc. You can 
Forget about planning for months in advance. Game Times has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football. Not here. Basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The local team has to do a little, little bit more and get some luck for you to get those Game Time tickets here to enjoy that that push to the, the big game. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you 110% of the di- difference. Snag the tickets without the stress of Game Time with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. You buying some tickets to Tampa this weekend, Monday? <laughs> Buddy, I don't even know if I want to watch the game, let alone go to Tampa and uh, spend whatever it's going to cost to go to an NFL playoff game. It's brutal. It's just brutal. Yeah. Just brutal. But uh, as far as as far as far the other the Murray piece, again, Derek, as you talked about the numbers, he signed a four-year extension over the summer. He's on a reasonable deal he in, is. The, in not where bad. the CBA is at. It's, it's just the buy-in. And the fit on the floor, you, if the buy-in is there and you feel like he's trying to do everything the right way to make sure that he fits in a, a, the best way to make this team again to continue their path to an NBA Finals appearance, I think a lot of people will really be on board because there could be a lot, of, lot worse names that we're talking about here than DeJounte Murray. We've seen him defensively have success. It's not as good as, as, as it has been in the past, as, as the guys have mentioned. But it, it's in there. And that's where a lot of our frustration comes in with a lot of things when we speak of players that are currently here. Hey, we've seen this in you, Tobias Harris. Why are you not doing this? Just as an example, not to pick on Tobias, but... I mean, a little bit. A little bit. Tobias. But we've seen it from DeJounte Murray. What we can say is that all-star player is still in there, where he did everything that Greg Popovich asked of him for that team that was overachieving, making pushes to the playoffs in the Western Conference, and had people changing their tune of who he was when he was the 30th pick coming out of Washington where the Spurs took him. And they said, oh, he landed in the right spot. But all the concerns that went on before he got to the the NBA, there were questions about certain things off the court with Murray. Since then, you've heard none of that. He's turned himself into an all-star player, a starter, uh, an all-defensive player, and one that we're talking about here, again, as a, a player on a $100 million contract because of how talented he is. There's something in there that you could see fitting here, but there are just too many questions where others are at the top. And as Haynes said, he's not the number one target, clearly, but one that they look at and they see something there. Actually, to that point, I want to ask both of you just cold right now. Who do you think the number one target is? Like just pure speculation. Or if you want to... If Derek wants to drop a truth bomb on us right now out of nowhere. No, because even if Daryl told me, I'd say, fuck you. Why would you tell me? I don't believe it. <laughs> to um, promote the show. <laughs> sure. I mean. I say Lowry Markkinen is his number Is that number just because you want to be humble? You don't want to no. keep it in the family? No, I, I really believe that because I, 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 do think, I do think there's something there. As much as we hear about they, don't want to, they may not want to move Tobias Harris, something along those lines. I, I think they look at a fit there uh, with with the number that he makes and the the style of play that they play and what he would mean for the outside shooting and playing off of both Embiid and Maxi. I think that that's some real value there where they look at that and say best case scenario for, for them, for what he provides, that, that Lowry marketing would be mine. I think it might be Mikhail. I, like I, I mean, he fits the profile of. Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna no, man, look, there, pat myself only... on the back and say, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, I didn't drop 42 yesterday, but of course, you know, go ahead. <laughs> in a loss, in a loss. It wasn't his fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think like uh, of those two names, I think, and, and we bring up those two names because they're the only two that really fit in terms of there's a. Th- Theory, like a possibility. Let's not go back to a one A one B. Yeah, like we're not Brett talking Brown about thing. like Devin 1A. Booker and well, or or it was a uh, Carson oh. and yeah, pizza yeah. and sausage. Yeah, well, those two pizzas. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Pepperoni um, and sausage. Okay, Howie yeah, yeah. Roseman. Uh, those are the only two that that match both in terms of there's a chance they might become available, however small, and they would actually truly fit and be worth paying whatever premium you have to pay for. 
Um, so I think if, if we're talking realistic, those almost have to be the two options. I'd probably guess Bridges just because I think he was, he's, I don't say he's a cleaner fit, but defensively, I think he profiles better as that three and D third option. Whereas marketing, I think you're going to be, he's probably underutilized a bit at times offensively. Um, but they'd both be fantastic. They'd Kyle. both be fantastic. I'd love yeah, just I, to get like just watching Tyrese have to do almost everything when Joel's off the floor. Uh, and it becomes especially pronounced when it's a full 48, when Joel's off the floor, just having like a pick and pop partner, like marketing in would just open up the world for him. Uh, he would certainly, that's be, why I've been banging the drum. He would for... Well, I mean, we all get it. He's really good, yeah, but just having that kind of, of player to play off. Uh, you know what? I've now talked myself into it. It might be marketing. It might be. Yeah. I I would lean bridges, but I look. I, I think you could easily make the case. It's I, it's we're, it's pure speculation, so it doesn't really matter. To your point, though, it's like this is just guys who are like in a pipe dream world gettable. It's not even like it's not like they can trade for Devin Booker or whoever tomorrow. Sure. Like then it'd be a completely different conversation. Yeah. Or oh, Boston made Jason Tatum available, whatever. <laughs> like it's number one target of the guys who are even close to available. Right and. I guess here's sort of what I would say about Bridges. Perhaps he would be a higher target just because it might be easier to keep him around long term. What does he have left on his deal? Three or four years? Um, two. Oh, only is it only two? Okay, so it's one Counting more. Counting your cousin's money. Or <laughs> That's. No. Uh, I, w- I want him to get paid again fast. One. <laughs> Is that one more Markin? Markin has one more year left. He's next yeah. year. So he has one it. additional deer deal uh, with Markin, and I think Markin is the type that might end up has a. Maybe has a higher chance. They both have a chance, but maybe just that extra year might factor in. But no, I think I think Markinen offensively is a cleaner fit, and and Bridges defensively. The real answer is check. if either one becomes available, you push as hard as you can. So of course I I did when I was out. I did obviously listen and watch and heard you guys talking about it. Um, as far as his deal goes, he does have two more after this year. Yeah. Okay. And obviously, yes, I'm biased and. But I, I do. I would, I would love if he was just so Devon has to acknowledge like every show. Yes, I'm biased. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so, so, I mean, it's always tough for me to t- to talk about this because yeah, I am biased. But the fit, of course, it's there, and he because he, he fits any team. Yeah, he would yeah. be he would be a fantastic. And this was one of the things that we would talk about as a family. To be honest with you, just to kind of take everybody behind the scenes when he was before he. Before they did what they did in 2018 and winning the national championship, the year before, not, maybe, maybe I think it was after they won in 16, and we would have our conversations about, well, right now he's on the fringe of first round, he's into the second round. Derek, I remember me and you having a conversation for a couple of hours yeah. <laughs> where other people were listening. Was, was and, that that draft? Uh, no, this was after okay. they won the championship. And I yeah, had asked yeah, yeah. Derek because Derek was doing some some scouting work where he used to write for a, a publication. And I said, where do you guys have him? And it was still in the second round, if I remember correctly, at that point. And, but then I, of course, knew people in the league and I would ask them because just didn't know. And I, I wasn't sure. But for, to see him develop into the player that he was and the value that we thought as a family of what he was and what the league was at that time, there were some, I, I don't think you guys really realize what he does for a team. Mm-hmm. It is biased because we see him, we know his game and we know what he does. However, it's real. And now people see it. They saw the connectivity with the Phoenix Suns. They see the connectivity now, even with the Brooklyn Nets, even though there's a struggle. And there was a reason why he was on the team USA squad because of what he does a natural fit because of remember Iguodala, Tayshawn Prince, yes. those types of players in the past on Team USA. Those guys tend to win a lot. Kale's a winner. Wherever they go. So yeah. he has two national championships. Oh boy, 21. I was like, oh, my man's going to get in three years. He's going to get an NBA title. Yeah, winner. And and But pe- even with that loss in the finals, people still look at him and say he's a winner. And that's what he does. He would do anything to help a team win. So yes, I am well aware that he would be a perfect fit here right now. I was just as... I was more pissed off than you <laughs> when they traded him that night, 25 minutes after he was drafted and he had to go through the whole thing of doing what he needed to do for the media. Uh, but I am thrilled and proud that he has turned out to be the player that he is right now. 
And yeah, it would be fun to see him come here because I do believe that outside of Lowry marketing, he would be a fantastic player to help put them over the top. And then you also see people see what he can do offensively. It may not be the prettiest. It may not be what you love from a player that can drop 20 on average and score 42 points in the game. But the one thing that he is, which would drive us crazy a lot of times is you need to be a little more selfish because you can score and you can see that he can score in this league. So he, he is a player that would work. It would cost a lot. I have not talked to him about it. He's in Paris right now. They have the Paris games. They play Cleveland. Good for him, man. I hope we're in Paris next yeah. summer. Hey, man, you know, I hope he's back in Paris next hey. summer. Rest that knee, Joel. Hey, man, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he would, be, he would be a pretty good fit for the Sixers. And Liam asked, who's more likely to be available of Mikhail and Markinen? I don't know that either is especially no. likely. I would, if I had to handicap it, I'd say Markinen slightly just because, as Derek points out, he's only got next year left on the deal. Right. And that always puts more pressure on if they have any inclination of like, oh, he might test free agency. He wants to go to this place. He wants to play for this coach with this star, whatever that there's more pressure on them. And like what we've heard out of Woj and some other people who are plugged in is that Brooklyn seems more likely right now to try to trade everything else to get like a Donovan Mitchell to play next to Mikhail. Yeah. So. You hear Mitchell, you, you hear uh, before the Dame Lillard trade, that was a big one in the yeah. summer. So right now, if I had to, to guess with no Intel whatsoever, it, it's funny because people will be surprised when they say, oh, you guys talk about this. Guess what? No, we don't because <laughs> I do this and he does that. So I don't want to talk about that stuff because that's where he lives and I have to live it. And then I don't have to answer these types of questions because I just don't know. Uh, but yeah, I think they would try to add to him on Brooklyn and maybe move some of those other players because you've already heard it. Like Dorian Finney-Smith, these types of players. Cam Johnson is. Yeah, is Cam Johnson as a name that that could maybe be moved and not, and not kill. And I would say, so to put a bow on the, the DeJounte talk that we, t I feel like we titled the, the podcast DeJounte Murray. And then it's been about <laughs> literally anyone except for DeJounte Murray, except for maybe really that five, answers our question. <laughs> uh, I mean, we made it pretty clear. At least I have Very on much. the pod. I yeah. think I would much prefer Atlanta Bogdanovich to DeJounte Murray. I, I don't know what the cost difference is there, uh, but I think he profiles as a pretty ideal player to bring in here. Someone you can bring in off the bench, someone who could start, someone who can play on ball, off ball, has real three-point shooting gravity, has had moments where he's defended, but you know, I'm certainly, if we're criticizing DeJounte's defense this year, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh yeah, Atlanta Bogdanovich has been crushing it on the defensive end. So would require some hope that he plays on a better team and, you know, buys in again. But yeah, it, I think that kind of says it all about DeJounte, right? Is that everybody's talking about other guys they would want on that team. And he's kind of the like, well, if you squint hard enough and he does this and this keeps trending upward, like that's not where you want to be with a guy who frankly would disrupt what they have for the final months of the season, right? Like that's no criticism of him, but that's a big piece to integrate. Sure. And I think they'd find themselves again in that scenario where even the best, best, best outcome for him is probably like they don't have enough time to gel and build a real contender this year. And then we go to, all right, well, what does next season looks like look like? And who knows if Joel's healthy? Who knows? 300 other factors by then yeah no no man we did have a another yeah, several super, chat. super chats we yeah. gotta get to to close out this you, show. you mentioned the furious one uh so we'll get to rick Sachs. he asked me how did the recruiting go while while i was away in quotes <laughs> well rick um you know i don't know <laughs> you know it, it went well. I'll just say that to make you happy. The recruiting went well in Brooklyn. Yes, they did lose on Sunday, and they're playing. They're playing. It's it's not a great brand right now. 
it, it's a tough watch sometimes just to see how they lose. And that's why they, Mikhail's name, Cam comes up and Dorian Finney-Smith comes up a lot about players maybe potentially on the move. It's not good, especially when he was in Phoenix to watch that. So the recruiting, it's more of when you see your cousin, just you, you, when you, his body language is never different, but I can tell the, I can tell the difference of certain things when they're losing. <laughs> and, and it's, it, it's, so it's more of everything will be cool, man. You'll be all right. And everything will be, everything will be fine. So that's how the recruiting went, Rick. And I will say, like, I think they should be aggressive right now. Like, mm-hmm. they're not people. I think people look at them as a really young team. They're not a really young team. Like, all of Bridges, Johnson, you can throw Ben Simmons in this mix if you want. They're all like 27, 28 years old. I'll throw Ben Simmons. <laughs> I don't know about in the mix, though. Hey, <laughs> throw him out the goddamn door. That's future Sixer Ben Simmons, if you remember our conversation from last week. Not again. <laughs> they're all like 27, 28. They're not super, super young. They, I think they need to be a little bit aggressive in terms of trying to build a team. I think that probably means finding someone to build alongside of and with bridges. But because of a, a situation like that, where like, yeah, they're about to get a little bit more expensive. They're getting older. At some point, guys like bridges are going to win. Uh, I think they should be aggressive at the traded line. It's just, I don't necessarily think that means that makes, that means making bridges available. Uh, and to that point. So furious had another super chat where he said, curious what you guys think Maury is thinking. And I think you've probably hammered this more than I have, Derek, as I've gotten more into the role player mode, I would say. Like two role players might get it done. I think Daryl sees that Joel is playing as well as he ever has and that this is another opportunity to win a title. Like I don't think Daryl's mindset really changes year to year. I think he views this in very black and white terms. Like, what is my team's percent chance to win a title? What does this move do to increase that percentage in any meaningful way? And the only one of the only ways I would defend a potential DeJounte trade, like if you were to trade for, let's say, Caruso and Bogdanovich, I think that'd be a high-end outcome if that's, you're talking about role-player trades. Yeah. But you're giving up you know, multiple first-round picks – Likely at least a rotation guy, if not more, along with whatever expiring contracts are going the other way. And let's say it doesn't work. Well, you're not getting, like you talk about the depreciating value of Murray. I think there's also, there's a clear depreciating value with role players. Like you're sure. Alex Caruso, as he gets closer to the end of his contract, you're not going to get premium assets for him. Bogdanovich, as he gets older, Maybe he's got and he's had health issues at times in the past. Like he could be worth close to nothing in the blink of an eye. Like one meaty or middling injury, and I don't know that could go tits up quickly. Where Murray or a guy of that ilk, there is still like a floor of value. You could probably always convince someone to give up a little bit for him, and maybe that's some of the reason that you go after stars on top of you know. Stars or substars just bring more value to the table individually. But yeah, that's how Daryl thinks about it, as far as I can tell. So maybe right now the the role player route might be more likely than the the big name route. Uh, we'll it's see. still early to tell, but we're all, we're doing all of this, you know, guessing based off of what's public information now, not what is known behind the scenes, and not what could develop over the next month. So. If you're asking me based on now, is it slightly more likely that they go a role player out than it was like three months ago? Maybe, but we'll see. Like, I think if Daryl had his druthers, I think the right third star, he would pursue that aggressively. Yeah. And we have one final super chat to get to from Chedva says, thinking more about the trade deadline and offseason trades of the young crew, KJ Springer, Turk, Ricky, who is the most valuable to trade slash to keep? I mean, jeez. If I mean, you can get them, any value for anybody. Yeah, none of them have trade value, first yeah. of all. The it's only one who would even Springer. come close is Springer. Because, yeah, like, you can't, you're not going to trade Turk on a, you can't trade a two way contract. Uh, so, Springer would be the only one that would theoretically have trade value, but there's no, there's no trade value there. All right. Can I ask you guys a couple of things before we get out of here? I will say, who do you, who do you value the most out of those? Turk. 
<laughs> no, I, I mean, it's Springer, but you say that and it's like if he was actually valuable either to this team or or viewed as valuable, I should say. If he was actually viewed as valuable to this team or on the trade market, he would be playing regular minutes. Wow. And, you know, like... Coaches make mistakes. Coaches They do make mistakes, but look, biases. like he still isn't shooting the ball well. And that's kind of been the whole thing with his career, right? If we sat here and said... The defense is ready for prime time, but he's got to provide some kind of offensive utility. And it's not like, so in the Isaiah Joe case, for example, the problem with him is that that you could argue was that's a playing time problem. We know he can shoot or he had a track record of shooting. The mechanics were good, all that. And then once he got a fresh start, new opportunity, it's like, all right, there, the shot is there. I don't think you can make the case that Jaden Springer is going to play 20 minutes and all of a sudden he's going to start shooting better than sure. he is. So I, I think that I understand the skepticism. I still agree with you. Like I'd rather see him play than I mean, I our do guy think, Marcus Morris. I do think there's an argument that he hasn't gotten enough playing time to actually have a valid sample. Like he has 30 career attempts. That's not enough to base yeah. a shot off of. Uh, so theoretically he could go somewhere else, get more playing time maybe get to a spot where he's not yanked every time he makes a mistake and thrive or at least play better. And and maybe that better just means he's an NBA rotation player. I think there could be an argument for that. I would say just given the fact that you know that Springer has at least one side of the ball, one identifiable NBA skill, he's probably the closest to being able to contribute. Does that mean it's now? Who knows? But I mean, we're talking about four players who pretty much don't play. So yes, uh, Spencer did have one real fast one to ask you about. He just real fast thoughts on DeRozan. Anything changed for you since I'm the last time? I'm more interested in, and I think I said I would probably prefer DeRozan to Levine then. We I all think agree, I, said. Yeah. yeah we agree. Uh, I think I'm even further on that corner now. I think somebody who's a secondary creator who, I think this deep in his career, DeRozan probably just wants to win too. Like I has seen teams he left go on to success and, seen a bunch of his buddies win and he's probably nearing that time where it's like, all right, if I'm, if I'm going to get mine and be an important guy on a championship type team, it's got to be pretty soon. So I, I would be, I'm not giving up much for him, obviously, but I would definitely be interested in him despite whatever uh, fit concerns there are because of the lack of three point shooting. All right, a yeah. couple NBA quick hitters. Draymond Green back after 12-game suspension. Mentioned, <laughs> mentioned that uh, he almost wanted to retire, or he was going to retire, and Adam Silver talked him out of it. Why'd you do it, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> I say that with all due respect for Draymond's had an incredible career, and oh, I, uh, I admire what he's done defensively and playing off his staff more than most people. But the all-time, like, everyone's the asshole except for me moment today where he's like, oh, I just didn't know if I could go through this anymore. Go through what, bro? You Run another this, elbow at somebody's right. head? Oh, you can't go through it again? <laughs> Maybe you don't do that dumb shit. How about that? Anyway, um, that's a, I've had enough ranting today. Yeah, I haven't. I had a chance to listen to the full show. so I wanna It's not good. Sort of reserve my, my stronger takes until I do. All right, and Josh Harris, course washington football team i just call him the football team I'm not doing the other stuff um fires ron rivera commanders really is a bad name it is it's just leave it the football team yeah. that was much better and easier uh hires former golden state warriors by the way how trash of an organization you have to be where the football team is the best name that uh, exactly. you've had in your history yeah it's basically it's just a rip off of soccer clubs it's like washington fc that's basically yeah. what they were yeah. well, I mean, that's like washington all he owns one of those <laughs> that's, yeah. that's better than the commanders it's like the most generic awful name awful but. name uh they he hired right now to be consultant to help find a new coach and some leadership there golden state warriors general manager bob myers and former vikings gm rick does spielman a, does does bob have a son of age where he could run the uh, organization because that seems to be josh's Ooh. mo look at that that's a burn. Look at that. Rich people love consultants. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ready to get up out of here? Yeah, let's get up out all of right, here. All right, everybody. Man. Well, as always, we are so thankful to have so many of you here with us each and every single day. I see Brian <laughs> coming in at the last minute so he can get a shout out on the show. You are not slick, Brian Knight, but I still love you. But got to show love to my guys, my gals, Dave Doerr, Larry Love, Jay the Jungle, 
Finny, Finny Chase, who shouted out my guy, Ibrahima Kanate for Liverpool. You'll never walk alone, buddy. Uh, Kane, Hydar from Iceland, Stefan, Bootzilla, Spencer, Forever Ace, Liam. I'm Liam, Ash, what's up? Ash Monroe, our guy who's always in here. Thank you very much, as always, for coming through. PJ, no free pub for Austin Krell. JS. None. I don't know if I saw our guys Money Mar and Al the two minute warning today. That's not. slightly concerning. I'm gonna put out a APB, APB for our, our boys, but love you all. Uh, Chedva, who also had a super chat Chedva. today. Rick, who had a super chat Gavin, today. This, Furious this is- Gavin and my guy Will, who was the first person to comment. I didn't forget about you, Will. The C is silent. It's Hedva. Hedva, is it? Oh, okay. My bad, Hedva. Do I, I need to say Marshawn? If you heard how Marshawn? I say bagels, Marshawn. March you guys have heard me say bagels enough to know I got a little <laughs> bit of the Philly hoagie mouth. So I apologize for that. But what I won't apologize for is asking you guys to hit the subscribe button on Ding. the way out. You hit the bell icon. You get notifications. Ding. Martian Lynch. I'm sorry. You didn't get a shout I out. Did oh it my already. God. Okay. You're okay. Good. But I, I personally, I'm the shout out guy. I apologize. You know, let's. Except for like 50% of the shows when you're not here. <laughs> I know, but when I'm here, it's my job, and I'm letting you down. So sorry to Martian. There's Money Mar raising his hand. Hit the bell icon so you get notifications each and every time we go live. Again, and if you hit the thumbs ding. up button, I promise I'll remember more of your names and more shout outs next time. I will do a better job. Shout out to Andy Reid, better coach than it seems like the Eagles have right now. Good night. Goodbye. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Two thirty. Good night. It's three thirty. <laughs> We all silly like the mayor. 